You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. If you've listened to episode 37 of Sascapes, then you've already heard two of my guests in this episode. After Hazel Reeser and Tom Hoffam and I talked about the Frenchman Butte Ferry, we crossed the museum grounds to the quaint teahouse log cabin, where eight other smiling faces joined me, including Tom's wife Marilyn and his older brother Bob. I'm Kevin Power, and in this episode, we continue talking about growing up in the beautiful picturesque area of Frenchman Butte. We reminisce about the good old days, some of the local musical talent, and oh yes, a giant sturgeon. You'll hear the clinking of teacups and saucers and many satisfied tummies as cookies and squares were brought out. Thanks again, Myrtle. If you ever had the chance to get to the beautiful area of Frenchman Butte, which overlooks the North Saskatchewan River, you must stop by this wonderful museum, have a cup of tea, and be taken back in time. I am in Frenchman Butte, and I am in the tea house at the museum, which is so lovely, I think I'll move in. It's like a log cabin, and this is Frenchman Butte's uh, version of a Starbucks, except I think they've beaten Starbucks by a mile. This is the tea house where everybody comes and hangs out and has tea together. This is the meeting spot. This is Coffee Row. And it is about as quaint as a country kitchen. And it's uh, meticulously kept. And the gardens are meticulously kept around here. And oh, look, here is someone who's responsible for the gardens. So let's start with you. You are... Gertie Priest. Gertie Priest. Now, you're just being humble. You actually do come down here and, and do a lot of work in the gardens. Yes. And you do a lot of the weeding, you said? Yes. I won't put you on the spot. Let me move over to this lady here. Your name is? Mary Howard. Now, Mary, I met you when I was coming in here, and you told me you were going to do most of the talking. <laughs> So I'm going to hold you to I'm that. I'm not used to that. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to hold you to it now. You took my arm and said, I'm going to do most of the talking. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself. You grew up in the area? I was born about three miles over this way. Where are you? East of here. And it's on a farm. Wow. And There was 14 in our family. 14? There's two of us left. And where me did you place sister. in the 14? Let me see. Eleven, maybe. <laughs> you lose track at one point? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and did all 14 of you pack into a tiny little house? Um, no, some uh, one had passed away when he was three, so that left. Yeah, and the rest of it, well, by the time I was growing up, the older ones were moved, working, right. were out working. Right. So. And you went to school here? Yes. And that school probably was a one-room schoolhouse. It was a log school. Right. You could see through the cracks. 
in the winter. The snakes came in in the summer. You have snakes around here? <laughs> Lots. I just saw one outside. Did you? I'm so glad <laughs> I'm inside right now. We won't get on to my snake phobia. So are we sitting um, in a room where you recognize some of these people that were your schoolmates? Anybody here you went to school with? Hazel. Did you go to school with Hazel? Yes. Wow. And so did you stay in the area your whole life? No. After I was married, we moved around a bit, mm-hmm. then moved back here. Right. And did your parents grow up in this area as well? Um, not far away. Mm-hmm. They were, let's see, my dad was born in North Battleford. Mm-hmm. Battleford. There was yeah. no north right. then. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And my mother, Onion Lake, which is about 25 miles mm-hmm. west, so not far away. And they were farming as well? They did when we moved here. Right. Yeah. Right. So you grew up during some pretty challenging times here in in the province. Yes, I was uh, 10 when the war started, and Mm -hmm. I was 15 when it was over. Mm -hmm. So my brothers didn't know me when they came back, because two of them were gone for five years. Right, right. That must have felt strange to see them go away. It did. It was... Hard on your mom, too, huh? Hard on us, yeah. To send the little boys away yeah. to fight? Yeah. Was your mom a good cook? Yes, she was. What was her specialty? Oh, she liked <laughs> She made a lot of bannock. Oh, a lot of bannock. <laughs> Are you a good bannock maker? No, it's not like her. Right. Oh, very good, Mary. <laughs> uh, you, see, I can see you're all very humble here in Frenchman Butte. Uh, as somebody shouts across the room, you're actually very good, Mary. Um, so uh, what did you do for fun growing up here? Well, mostly played with my brothers and sisters. <laughs> well, yeah, you had to make your own fun, huh? Yes, we did, yeah. And we had a, a skating rink here and a curling rink and mm-hmm. things like that. And you would have known the ferry that ran across here. Yes. We lived across the river for a while, so we knew it pretty well. And you prob- you had to take it. Yes. Did you have any accidents? We've heard about some accidents when the winter when the water was frozen and you'd use it as an ice bridge. Well, we had to walk across on a, some planks between the ice and the and the shore. And when we came to town, the planks would go underwater and when we were going home they were all icy by then, mm-hmm. so it was hard walking. Yeah, you you all had to walk to school back then. Boy, that must have been really tough in the wintertime, if winters were anything like they are now. Yeah, we only had a mile to go, so. Yeah, but a mile in minus 40 <laughs> degrees can feel like forever. Or 60, 60 oh, below. Yeah. Sometimes the thermometer went down there. Is that right? Yeah. And your schoolhouse wasn't heat? No, it had coal. Heat by no, coal. it had wood. Oh, it had Didn't wood. But wood. still, with all the cracks, it probably did precious little good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you were probably hugging up to the we snakes just our, to stay warm. We had all our clothes, coats and everything on, and our mitts. And I don't know how we wrote with our mitts on. But but it was cozy at home? Yes, it was. Was Christmas kind of nostalgic, like a Hallmark card growing up in this area? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah, especially if you had such a big family. Yeah. And you chopped down a tree from somewhere locally? Yeah, in our own farm, on our own farm. Did you make all of your 
own or, uh, ornaments for the tree? Not all of them. When I was growing up, we did have bought ones. Right. Yeah. And you had family here. You you raised children here. Yes. Mm-hmm. But when I got married, we moved away for a while. Mm-hmm. So. And are, do, did any of your children return back to this area? Uh, just about all of them live in Lloydminster. I had wow. seven. Seven children. Seven yeah. kids. In the, wow, so they can't stay away from mom too far. <laughs> no, is they don't a, live far away. <laughs> is that a good thing? <laughs> yes, it is. They look after me now. Oh, that's what having big families is for, huh? Well, thank you, Mary. Thank you. Then we've got Hazel next to Mary. Hi, Hazel, again. Hi. Thanks for all the wealth of information on the fairy. You're very welcome. Um, And then next to Hazel we have... Tina Rose. Tina Rose. Tina, tell me about yourself. Did you grow up in this area? Pretty well, yeah. I'm Mary's sister. I th- see w- when the two of you came in. I thought mm, they have different last names, but why do they look alike? You guys actually look a lot alike. So, where do you place in the family? <laughs> I'm the, the youngest one. Oh, you're the baby. Yeah. You and me, but we're the favored ones, aren't we? We <laughs> we youngest. They think so. Anyway. <laughs> we had a school on top of the hill, and when it was built, I started when it was built. So I went there for twelve years. No, we have two girls that live in town here, mm-hmm. and our son lives in Calgary. Is there any kind of um, uh, a craft group or a quilting group or anything in French and Butte? There what? is. In the winter time, the volunteers from the te- <coughs> from the museum mm-hmm. make quilts, about three of them, and uh, they sell tickets, and that is uh, they pick the winner on our festival day. And the money goes to help us keep the museum going. Right. Um, do you? You're one of the volunteers at the museum. I'm not a quilter, no. I am a you volunteer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, what are your duties as volunteer? Do you mostly hang out here at the tea house? No, we have uh, a schedule. Mm-hmm. Like this morning, Myrtle was in charge, and I'm helping her mm-hmm. from ten till one thirty, and then someone else will come. How long have you been volunteering? Well, ever since we moved back here about six, seven years ago. These museums really rely on you volunteers. Are you a little worried that as the younger generation um, comes up that they may not have the same dedication to looking after the museum that you guys do? That's what's happening. The younger ones seem to be too busy Mm -hmm. to, uh, to take time, I guess. Right. But it's pretty important to remember our history, huh? Mm-hmm. It is. Right. Thank you for telling me a bit about yourself. How did you wind up in the kitchen all the way over there? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Myrtle, who's all of a sudden migrated back to the pan of uh, what looks like blueberry grunt or something like that. You've already had two. However, <laughs> however, I scored one of your date cookies, Myrtle which I can attest to the fact now that Myrtle is a really good baker. Um, let's hop over here to the kitchen. Hi, Myrtle. Hi. Did you grow up in the area? I did. Went to school up there. Some of the gang here are your classmates? Uh, actually, Mary's related to me. So is Tina. Mary's husband, Gordon, who's deceased right now, was my dad's stepbrother. Wow. Mm-hmm. You're all somewhat related. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
You have to be careful who you marry around here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you may wind up marrying a relative and not know it. Uh, and so you're one of the volunteers at the museum. I am. Mm-hmm. And do you hang out here in the kitchen pretty much? Oh, once in a while. Not right. as often this year. How much of the baked goods that we're surrounded by are you responsible for? Um, this one with the tarts and the cookies and the squares. So you're fond of baking? Oh, yes. yes. Is that something that was handed down through your family? Um, not really, no. no. Your no. mom wasn't a terrific baker? Yes, she was. She was right. a good bread baker. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Did you bake for the big August celebration that they had here oh, a few weeks yes, ago? Oh, yes, I made pies. Oh, and mm-hmm. are your pies for sale, or were they... Uh, no. Well, yes, they were. Uh, that was Everybody bakes pies for that day. Uh-huh. And they said, pie and ice cream. That's right. traditional in the last few years. When your kids come home, do they get to... Do you bake for them? Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcast. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I've got a son at home, so I bake every day for him. Oh, so your son hangs out close to mom. Uh-huh, yeah. Did they have dances around here growing up? Was that one of the things Oh, yes, down in the Legion Hall. Ah, the good old Legion uh-huh. Hall. Right, was that sort of like the the dating spot? Uh, That's probably my phone. No, I, I never, I never, well, not for me anyway. In those days, uh, the boys used to ride into town and chase the girls around on the horses. Yeah, I'm hearing this often. (laughs) That was one of the recreational activities, chasing the girls around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And you are a volunteer here, Mm -hmm. and um, you, again, are on a schedule, and you get called to come down to do... Various shifts. Uh, actually, what they do, they have a calendar, and everybody fills in an afternoon or morning that mm-hmm. they can work. Mm-hmm. And if they can't, they usually phone somebody and find out if they can do that. Saves our Marion a lot of hassle. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Right. And are you a little worried that the younger generation are not falling in love with looking after this place? Yes, I see that pretty well all over the place. Yeah. 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 What's your favorite part of the museum around here? Oh, just working in here and yeah. meeting people. Like I'm always amazed where people come from. And really, where can you recall where some of the people have come from? Uh, actually, some have come from Germany. 
Really? Yes. And how would somebody from Germany know well, about Well, usually French family. They come yeah. to visit family, and then they usually bring them down here. Right. Yep. Wow, yeah. And you get a lot of people during that um, weekend in August as well. Yes, yes, we do. Can you tell me what you love about Saskatchewan? What keeps you here? Oh, the sunrises, the early morning sunrise, and the evenings are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the coyotes. <laughs> of course, I'm out in the farm and I hear all this. Right. I think they do in town here, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. But the terrain here mm-hmm. isn't flat like nope. your typical prairie. No, it isn't. No. Thanks again for the cookie. Here's, uh, here's Tommen, who we talked uh, to over at the railway station. Um, and Tom's brother, his eldest brother is here. Oh, good. Look, a chair. I can sit down next to you. And you, sir, are? I'm Bob Huffam. And you also grew up in the area. I grew up on the other side of the river. Mm-hmm. And there was a quite a, river's always quite a boundary in the early times. Right. And, uh, we, we didn't mingle a whole lot. Till later years. In fact, uh, my, my wife is from this side of the river. I, as that time went on, I saw the advantages of crossing the river. <laughs> <laughs> your, your wife was the draw. Yeah, I'm afraid it was. How'd you meet her? Well, that's, a, that's another story. I, w- I went in for a school teacher for a, a short time. Uh-huh. You mean to be a school teacher? To be a school yeah. teacher. And uh, that was during the war years. Teachers were very scarce. Right. And there came an, an opening into a school just north of here. It was a rock bo- called Rock Bottom District. So I, I applied. I, I didn't like city life. This happened in March. So I, I was a volunteer to get out of Saskatoon and go teach at school. Uh-huh. Well, of course, we always rode our horses in those times. And um, I rode my horse to school. And this uh, night I'd stayed late to do some work. And when I went to, uh, to uh, get ready to go home, um, I did something that I never ordinarily do. Mm-hmm. I tied my crutches onto the saddle. So I, I just... And... And I uh, uh, dropped his halter and was going to put on the bridle. Yeah. Shook his head and away he went. But I, I was boarding at this, my girlfriend's home. Uh-huh. Or the, anyway, the horse went back there. And she caught him. And she walked back to the school leading my horse for it. So I figured I owed, owed her a big debt, you know. That's a pretty big <laughs> <laughs> So I think I'll marry you because you brought my horse back. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so that was... Wow, uh, so you were brought together by a horse. Uh, yes, more or less, yeah. You can recall the horse's name? Soxalus. He was a purebred, standard bred. He'd been a racehorse. And he, he was a pacer. And he could pace almost as fast as any of the local boys could run their horses. So, right? Yeah. And a matchmaker, it would seem. And a matchmaker. <laughs> <laughs> and you went to school here? 
I, I took my schooling across the river at my grade school, but high school I took here. So I had to cross the river night and morning. Right. And uh, in the wintertime it was on the ice, and in the, in the summertime on the ferry. And the ferryman said, I can set my clock by you. You're always here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Is that right? <laughs> Punctual person. Punctual person. And did you actually end up teaching? I did for just a short time until mm-hmm. I acquired enough money to buy a few cows. And right. then it went back to the ranching way of life. It, 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 being someone who didn't grow up in farm country, it strikes me that it must be very, very hard life at times being a farmer. Well, I guess it is in a way, but I don't know. We, we, Mother Nature, you've got to work. You, Mother you, Nature, you can't fix. That's right. You work with the with the conditions mm-hmm. that are there, and uh, and you you sometimes it's pretty long hours. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's a, a life. It's a. Uh, I guess if I was, I would do it over again if yeah. I could. Yeah. It, it was a good life. I had a good life. And you were and, your own boss. And my own boss. Right. Well, to <laughs> to a certain extent, <laughs> anyway. Until it came time to sell weed. Yeah. Right. Well, I moved. Uh, we we When we were married first, we lived on the other side of the river. And then in 1955, I moved over here, or we, we moved over here. Uh, I, I like to say... I rode in with a on a little saddle, a saddle horse, and driving about ten, ten or twelve Hereford yeah. cows. Right, and that was when we started our places just up on the hill here. And my wife always accuses me of bringing her uh, to the place after it was evening or quite dark, because the the old cabin that was on the place was in pretty bad shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, she was met at the door by a gopher that it was uh, had to had residence in, in the porch. Uh-huh. <laughs> However, it didn't take her very long to to whip it up and uh, clean up the place. And so you got gophers that are the welcoming welcoming committee. You've right. got horses that are matchmakers. Right. <laughs> what a life, eh? No kidding. <laughs> Next, you'll be telling me they also talk. Kevin, he, ran, he, he and his family of kids and his wife ran a dairy for years. Oh, did you have a dairy here? I did. Um, times were pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw the opportunity to, uh, and pasture land was scarce, hard mm-hmm. to come by. So I, I had to limit my, my range cattle. And uh, I thought uh, there was an opening come forward that uh, needed a, uh, somebody to deliver milk to Paradise Hill and Frenchman's Butte. So we decided we, we'd go. And for 15 years, we finally built a dairy barn. And for 15 years, we delivered milk uh, and to the two towns. And... Uh, it was a great uh, way of keeping everybody busy. Mm-hmm. Everybody had their chores to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, might add that we had a, quite a workforce. We had eight children, all told, and we had two little foster girls after that. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we were always surrounded by lots of little helpers, and 
they each had the job that they were able to do. And uh, did you make ice cream as well? Well, we did on Sundays. Oh, in the winter time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Is it true they have chocolate cows that give chocolate milk? Yeah, I'm afraid not. Has somebody been pulling that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, you know, after the 15 years were up, we, we decided we'd, we had the opportunity to come to get some more pasture land, and uh, we went back to the, the beef cattle. Right. So tell me, what was the transition from non-pasteurized to pasteurized milk like? Oh, you. that that were you affected by that? Yes, uh, that came in in effect just just as we were uh, kind of winding down and thinking mm -hmm. about retiring from the mill. And uh, had we kept on, we would have had to to get the coolers and different things mm -hmm. for, and the milk would be shipped would have been shipped to Saskatoon. And so uh, we de we decided just to to step out at that time and, mm -hmm. and not go on with it anymore because it was a very, very demanding work. It was seven days a week and yeah. and you had to be there. But you knew cream right off the top. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and butter. That's right. Do you have great memories of that? Or we, we often hear so much of the hardship during those times, but do you have yeah. very fond memories of that well, time? Oh, very much so. What was uh, your brother like here? Well, you see... Uh, was I he see, the troublemaker? Yeah. <laughs> no, he was a pretty good little fellow. Uh -huh. But he came along so long after right. uh, that we were almost... Uh, our family was divided into three. Mm -hmm. We had myself and a, and a brother. And then later on, we had two sisters. Mm -hmm. Then later on, beyond that... We're three little brothers, right. and and Tom was the youngest of them. Right. So he was more like a, well, he, uh, more like a, one of my own family, yeah, or, so. like uh, children, like, right, rather yeah. than yeah. Right. So uh, I no. heard the story, Bob, about uh, when you and Joyce got married. Uh, Winston and Tom were six and seven or something, and you lived in the old house in the yard. Mm -hmm. And they took their horses and went around and around yeah. their house waiting for you to get up. Right. <laughs> waiting for you to get up on your wedding day? Right. Was that, is that called second it, thoughts or cold feet? <laughs> what did you do for fun growing up? Well, we, we, uh, we had our dad and mother always raised good horses. So we, we were always... Uh, uh, riding good horses. And They're we, great friends, huh? Yeah, and uh, they were working horses, and they were saddle horses and driving horses. And uh, if we wanted to go somewhere, we hooked up our horse or jumped on a saddle horse and and went away. And just ball games, uh, picnics and ball games, that I guess we'd say would be the the, the fun things that they were were done. Were you musical at all? Anyone in your family? I played the drums. Did you? If you can call that music. Right. Sure. <laughs> and you had radio back then. We did, um, but um, we always got new batteries in the fall of the year. Yeah. 
So Dad could listen to the baseball games, the oh, World right. Series. Right. He and, and, and some of his older friends. Yeah, that was the big deal, the battery, huh? I yeah, mean, yeah. That really dictated how often you listened to the You radio. had to be careful. You you didn't just play it random. Right, you, you right. You listened to certain programs. Right, and how would the battery be kept warm? Well, uh, I guess it was kept in the living room, and the, the living room was one of the warmer Is that right? rooms of the house. Are you one of the volunteers here at the museum? Well, I I used to work here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I kind of um, I, I'm a president of the seniors organization. Oh, there's now. a seniors organization yeah. here. I've got to this that proper age for right. that sort of thing. Yeah, you're just squeaking in there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Are there a lot of seniors in the part of the organization? Well, we've got about a dozen, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, something like that, isn't it, Hazel? Uh, well, I think there's 22 or 3 uh-huh. but, but they don't all come to our meeting. No. And, yeah. and what do you do? What sorts of things, are the activities are the seniors involved in here? Well, uh, actually, uh, through the most of the year, we, we have our, our Wednesday coffee wednesday morning coffee here in the tea house yeah. well actually we have a club room up just up on top of the hill is this a private uh, exclusive club for seniors only oh well we we welcome visitors okay right. yeah right. especially if they bring some lunch right so myrtle's probably there often <laughs> oh she's there <laughs> any place where food is required myrtle is there yeah um what do you love about living in Saskatchewan? You've stayed here most of your, all of your life oh, in the province. Life. Yeah. 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 Oh, it, What's the it, draw? I guess uh, we listen to the radio and TV nowadays. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to have friends and neighbors that, that are out there with guns ready to shoot you. Or, right. You know, it, it's a, it's a, People are, are good, and if, if there's any, ever have any trouble, uh, your neighbors come and, and want to help. And, and so it, it, it's, a good, it's a good bunch of folks. That yeah, you all know here. each other, sure. Oh, we do, and of course, like you say, we're all getting related yeah, right. through the years. Right, and, right. And, yeah. But you all know each other well enough that when a stranger like me shows up, the heads turn and... There's a visitor yeah. coming through. <laughs> a, a car of a different source shows mm-hmm. up. Right. Yeah. Right. Thank you for telling me a little bit about your life. Anything else you want to add? The who? What about the formal boys? The yeah. formal boys? Yeah. Was they that were, their last name? Formal was formal, their last formal, name. Yeah. They were, they were good workers. Anytime I needed a, a good fence, the fence along in front of my place there they put in in about 1955 mm-hmm. it's still there and uh, they picked stones stooped you know and they gold. and gold. yeah and they were like um they lived in a cabin down by the river and i needed help i'd go down to the other side of the river at that time and i'd holler across and they'd come across with a boat and I'll find out what I needed, and they'd come and, and work for me. But they were um, 
their work habits were a little different than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They would, I would say, I need one person. So uh, this one person would come probably the next day. Well, mother knew that uh, when she made lunch for the boys, that uh, the first day or two, she had to make a full loaf of bread in sandwiches because they were they were bachelors and they didn't eat very heavy at home. Mm-hmm. So, but they they liked uh, 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 special lunches. Anyway, they'd work. The, the one Tommy would come, and he'd work for a day or two, and then he'd say, "I think." I think Robert should come and help us. So I said, oh, that's all right. But I, I knew in the back of my mind what would happen. It was the same each time. They worked together for a couple of days. And then they both went home because they didn't get along very well together. All right, all right. <laughs> but anyway, they were quite ingenious in their way. They would go down to the garbage, this city, the village garbage dump, and if they could find an old engine from, uh, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. they'd take it home down the river. And in a few days or a week or so, you'd see them coming up the river in a boat with a, a motor in it. They'd repair it. They'd repair it. And all they had to work with was a pair of pliers and a crescent wrench. And so <laughs> I they don't were know. resourceful and they recycled material. Yeah. Now yeah. they'd be considered groundbreaking innovators and very well, hip. Absolutely. Greenpeace. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're enjoying this episode of Sascapes, why not download the entire series for free from the iTunes Store? Simply search for Sascapes by Sass Culture. And while you're there, feel free to support Sascapes by giving us a star rating or writing a review. From time to time, I'll share some of the comments in upcoming episodes. And who knows, it could be your comment I read next. And now, back to the podcast. No. My name's uh, Rudy Bakta. Rudy, tell me about yourself. Did you grow up here? Yes. Yeah, I went to school here. Mm-hmm. And uh, high school, retired, and then I went out working. On a farm? No, I went straight to Canada Post. Ah! I was there for 36 years. I just passed a little postal station when I came in. Is that where you were? minister. Oh, you were in Lloyd. Yeah. Right. I became curator of the museum the year after that. Mm -hmm. And I drive back here any days off because I find if I want to go fishing or hunting or that stuff's out kind of here. Plus, I belong to two groups here. I belong to the Legion and the Museum. How's fishing around this area? Pretty good. It's You're right in the middle of the lakes, yeah. right around here, whether you want to go north or east. A lot of lakes. So fishing's pretty good. And what are you catching mostly? Well, most of the time we catch uh, pickerel, jacks, perch. Yeah. Tom's got a fish right over here he's going to show you. He's got right out of the, oh. right out of the river. Holy mackerel. Tom, what is that you're holding? That's a sturgeon. Uh, uh, right here at the old ferry landing is one of the hot spots for... I shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be talking about this. Oh, because now, yeah, everybody, now, now everybody's, everybody's going to go. And the world's going to know about that. Right, okay. It's a good river to fish sturgeon in. Right. And any other fish, too. Boy, that must have kept you fed for a while. How much did it weigh? Oh, not with a sturgeon. You, you have to look at him and then put him back. Oh, you do? Yeah. Right. 
Did you get a chance to weigh him? Approximately 30 pounds. Yeah. Wow. 47 inches long. Wow. So sturgeon are one of the more endangered ones that you have to toss back? Yeah. Right. There are prehistoric fish. There's quite a a story on the sturgeon fish. But, uh, yeah, it's only the more talented fishermen say they can actually catch them. (laughs) But continue with Rudy. (laughs) Rudy, did you catch a sturgeon? No, I never have. That's okay. We don't discriminate. I have a question for you. Do you remember the show Don Messer's Jubilee? I certainly do. I grew up with it. Okay. Uh, uh, Gunther Buckter started the Buckter Dancers. Yeah. First cousin of my dad. Is that right? Yes. So our name is well populated around the country. Right, right. Have you been to the Maritimes? Nope. I want to get there someday. You got to go. So tell me about this general store. Your parents ran it? Oh, yeah. They had it back in about 50... One fifty-two. I think they bought it from a guy by the name of Owen Ibbotson. Uh-huh. And he had it was a general store when he yes. owned it, right? And they ran it for years. And it was a situation where they didn't always people didn't just it was kind of on credit kind of thing. And sometimes people maybe didn't have the money to pay. Mm. So sometimes you'd end up with going to get bales or cattle or something. Yeah, something towards the for the cause. Yeah. And when we were kids growing up like about 10 or 12, we used to run like different errands for the, they were running the store, so our kids would maybe run and get uh, flour, get gas for the customer, uh, get high test gas and things like that. Lots of odd jobs back then. Plus, when we grew up, it was the same as these two gentlemen here. Only they were more modern than we were, but mm-hmm. we used to do a lot of, we had cattle too on the side, so we did a lot of putting feed up. Right. And that kept us busy on the side. Right. But when you were a kid, did you work at the general store? Yeah, in between. Yeah. Most of the time it was feeding cattle and that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. But and the general store ran until when? Oh, I would say my uncle had it till about 19... Probably early 70s. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that part. And he had garage sales out of that. And then after that, my brother and I bought it. And I just used it for this uh, storage. Right. And why do you stay in Saskatchewan? What keeps you in this province? I find, uh, apart from the fact that you're wearing a Rough Riders t-shirt and obviously <laughs> a fan. Yes, I am kind of a diehard. Mm-hmm. But uh, I find it's, uh, it's the same as what Bob here said. All your friends are in the area, mm-hmm. and if you've got no friends, you're going to you know, lose interest. Yeah. However, Rudy, sitting at the table across from me, is somebody who defies that that um, stereotype, and I'm going to move over to her. Thank you for giving me a good segue. In. I know you probably didn't expect to be part of this, but you are. You are. I'm going to move your watermelon. Tell me who you are. Well, my name is Jill Harland. I grew up in the area, and I'm a summer student here. Right, so you defy all the things that we've been saying about kids not really caring about the area. Why did you, you're part of the Summer Works program? I guess mainly because I was a student in Saskatoon and looking for a job close to home. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, the main reason I came here. But then this is my second summer working here, and it's been a very good place to work. What are you studying in Saskatoon? Psychology. Oh, wow, good field. <laughs> um, but 
But what was the draw to, to work in a museum? We're always saying, oh, these young kids today, they don't really care about history, but obviously you do. Um, you grew up in the area, so you probably came here as a kid. Yeah, no, probably not as much as I should have as a mm -hmm. kid, though. I came here on school field trips from Paradise Hill School, mm -hmm. and then also on festival day. But other than that, I didn't spend a whole lot of time here growing up. Right. But then I guess later on I needed a summer job, and so I wanted to come back to the area, and it just made sense for where I lived. But then I came back this second summer because I enjoyed working here so much. I enjoyed learning about the stories of the local area and then also about the local history. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think it is that, that as generations go on, we tend to lose interest in these small museums? Is it that technology has opened the world up so much where we can access whatever we want? Probably. Everybody's busy doing other things and they're interested in different things and they have the abilities to go elsewhere and do like Frenchman Butte doesn't have the school anymore so we go to Paradise Hill and so mm -hmm. I guess my childhood was focused around there being able to play basketball and volleyball and things like mm -hmm. that as right, well right. so I guess the opportunities are there with vehicles being able to travel yeah what does working here give you well it's gave me a I guess a pride in the community that I grew up in mm-hmm a sense of knowing, I guess, what was around here because I'm not familiar with any of these stories. Mm -hmm. And I guess just a little back, like a history of the, the area. Are you here full-time during the day? From May till the end of August here. I've been here about five days a week. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing a lot of tourists come through here? Yep. Any interesting stories that they've had to tell you that... Ones that have come from as far as Germany and even further, maybe? Yeah, we've I've toured people from Germany. I toured somebody from Singapore last summer. Hmm. Um, in June this year, we toured a group from East India. They came out here with the Rotary Club. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't really know any specific stories, but everybody has their own unique story. Mm -hmm. Do they? Do you have the opportunity to ask them what brought them here? I mean, you just you don't you don't tend to associate somebody from Germany or from India knowing that they should come see a museum in Frenchman Butte, Saskatchewan. Yeah, we usually open up with something like that of what, what brought them here, mm -hmm. um, and it's usually a connection with family members that they're here visiting or just different clubs that are out touring. Mm. And then a lot of the local tourists come from people that have heard about it or driving by the sign a number of times and then decide to stop in. Mm -hmm. um, they must notice a huge difference between the country that they're growing up in and, and Saskatchewan. Have they made any remarks about the prairies? I mean, has anybody said what I said as I drove in? It's not flat here at all. Yeah, quite a few people say that, and they comment on the fields mm -hmm. on the way in, like the cornfields and how big they are and things like that, mm -hmm. and how pretty the area is. And a lot of people comment and say how lucky I am to have grown up in this area because mm -hmm. it is so nice with the river. Mm -hmm. um, so what is it about Saskatchewan? I mean, you've got, you're young enough, you've got the whole world um, at your feet. You could go study anywhere. Um, what keeps you in this province? Probably my family. Mm -hmm. My family's here, and then Saskatoon, I have family as well, so that's why I went, chose to go there, mm -hmm. and it's not too far away from home. Right. But but as far as the geography of the province goes and the, the lifestyle, it's, it's your speed? Yeah, very much so. I like it here. 
Right. And this program that you're a part of is, is pretty important, huh, mm-hmm. for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. It's gave them the ability to have students here as myself and another girl named Leanne. She's not here today. Mm-hmm. But we've worked here this summer. And do you have the opportunity to encourage younger younger people that aren't involved in this to, to, to get involved? Yeah, like I've tried my younger cousin who lives on the same farm I do. She, I've got her to come down here a couple of times and help volunteer around here. Good. So you're a bit of a recruiter. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need you to do that, to keep these places alive. And I know that all the people that are sitting around here agree that they mm-hmm. that they want more of you involved. Mm-hmm. That's pretty terrific that they're that they have that program here yeah. to, to be able to do that. On the other side of the table from me is my first contact here, and that is Marilyn Hoffman. I didn't have my name on the list. Though. That's okay. You're still you're I'm still allowed to talk to you. Okay. Um, you don't have to be on the list. So, Marilyn, you did not grow up in the area, but that's okay. We are still a person of, of interest. Tell me where you did grow up. Well, actually, I did. I was born and raised for the first part of my life in Maidstone, Saskatchewan, oh. which is on Highway 16, between here and North Battleford. Okay. Uh, and then um, the later part, uh, Kitscotty, Alberta, my family moved out there to farm. Okay, so you were Saskatchewan born. Yes, Right. Yeah, and Saskatchewan. Uh, I've been married for forty-six years, so mm-hmm. and lived in the same place across the river. Um, so actually, Saskatchewan, I call my home for right. sure. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you've been in this area specifically for well, the biggest part most of my life. Of that, right. Yeah. Right. 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 And you're a volunteer at the museum as well. Yes. Not until about six or seven years ago that Tom and I got interested in the museum mm-hmm. and I'm I'm thinking that maybe this is why we don't get a lot of young people we didn't become interested in this until a certain age mm-hmm. you know um, and so um, um, I think that maybe we're still hoping that as some of these younger people get more our age that they will come and and help out we just had more time sure. to like help we'd uh, kind of finished our our life with all our work that mm-hmm. we thought we hadn't made our million, but we weren't going to make a million, so we'd take it easier and spend more time volunteering. You mean not all <laughs> farmers are millionaires? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Did you enjoy farming life? Um, yeah, we actually ranched more than mm-hmm. was farmed, but yes, right. I worked outside along my husband, and right. and um, yeah, and our kids did too, and uh, I enjoyed running the machinery. And right. are you- I wasn't very good working with the cows, though. I was always in the wrong place. Oh. You know, at the wrong time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I. But that's all right. Yeah, I, I get your drift. Yeah. Um, and what what has your life been like outside of farming here? What activities have you been involved in? Well, actually, Tom and I have both been very community minded. Mm-hmm. I was involved in the school at Hillmont when the kids went to school. Um, my uh, kids were both involved in music. Uh, my son actually lives in New York now. He's an opera singer there in New York. I see. Yes. Um, oh. And so I was very involved with the music uh, festival in Lloydminster. Mm-hmm. That was one of my big uh, events there. Mm-hmm. And um, just the local ladies club, the local quilting club. Um, um, yeah. And um, then I um, worked off the farm a bit in the uh, uh, health system with... Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, Jubilee Home, which is an acute care, right. or um, uh, senior, long-term care, I should right, say. Right, right. Yeah. 
So, and enjoyed that. So actually I've uh, done a lot of things that I've, but I really like here. I like being here at the museum. Right. What is it about Saskatchewan that you like? Um, I guess the, uh, the freedom and, uh, you know, you can grow so much of what you eat. Uh, sure. We have a huge garden and, uh, there's always all these fresh berries that you can go pick mm -hmm. and, um. Um, I think that it's a healthy place to live. Mm -hmm. We're not near a big city or anything like that. And um, so I think that would probably be most of my, what I would like about Saskatchewan. Right. Yep. The population of French and Butte is getting smaller and smaller. Yes, I think actually last year or a year or two before, we had 72 people in here. And now when we went to do the school tours, which we do the month of June here, we were down to 53 people. What are the school tours that you do? Well, in the month of June, we, um, well, actually all year long, starting about January, we start um, uh, getting a hold of all the schools in the area and telling them what we offer here as a school tour. And then uh, we take in so many schools, um, and we have school tours during the month of June. We mm -hmm. can handle two a week mm -hmm. because it takes about 14 volunteers to do one school tour. Right. And uh, we could be filled every day wow. of the month of June, wow. but we just don't have the help. The students come. We try to take 60 in a day, and we start out here with butter, um, ice cream making, homemade butter, oh, yeah. ice cream, and mm -hmm. quite often bannock making. Yeah. And the kids, it's hands-on, so they love that part. Nice. Then they have the butter on the bannock before they go, and they have a taste of the ice cream that they've made. Plus, we have all the pioneer things, like the old-time washing, rope making. Um, what else do we have? Uh, we, they get to come up and dress up in the old clothes. They go through the CN building, um, the old-time one-room schoolhouse. We have a teacher in there that's taught in a one-room, and so she tells them how it was when, yeah, back right, then. So, right. And we, they just love it. And it's actually paying off for our museum now uh -huh. because every student that leaves here, they get a pamphlet saying what is going on in our museum. And so they take that home and uh, uh, bring their parents back. We've had a lot on festival day that have been, the kids have been here. Mm -hmm. And it's so cute because the kids march around like they know the place. Yeah. And the parents are just as interested as the kids are sure. because their kid is showing them around. Isn't that right? great? Yeah, it is. Do you think the kids get the connection with the food? I mean, we, we often just assume that ice cream and butter comes from the freezer and fridge section of the Mega Mart. So when they're making this stuff, do they get the connection that... that well, some of them do, but we have very a very couple of ladies that actually have milked cows and have done this, and they explain to these kids, and some of the kids just can't believe that this was done. So by the time they've tasted that butter, um, they're very happy because they also help make it. Mm -hmm. So this makes them really mm -hmm. pleased. That uh, right. and so I think that we would like to feel that they get the connection. Yeah, sure. And I think that they do. Sure. That's our main. Objective is to get them to realize the way it was in the pioneer days. Are you one of the, you said you're quilting. Are you one of the quilters yes. that? Yeah, we start, like Tina had said previously, in January. And uh, we have had a bunch of material donated from quilters that have passed away or don't want to quilt anymore. So we uh, pick out a pattern, and there's three or four of us that do the sewing. And we have three ladies that do hand quilting. So all these quilts are 
on the frame, just like they used to in yeah. the olden days. Yeah. And we all get together, we bring our lunch, and we have this quilting until April. And do they get sold or auctioned off? That's what, yes, we sell tickets. Wow. And then that, uh, we usually bring in about seventeen to $1,800 a year out of our wow. quilts. And with the donated material, we don't have a lot of expenses. Right, yeah, of course. So, yeah, so it's one way. How did your, your son was involved in the, in the music uh, festival system? Yep, yes he was. And so is he making his living full-time? Yes, as an he has his doctorate in music. Uh -huh. And he's a professor at the Ithaca oh, yeah. College of Music. Wow, and has he had the opportunity to come back here and perform for you? Um, not so much since he moved down there, but he did sing with the Saskatoon Opera, mm -hmm. and he did um, um, he adjudicates a lot. What's so his name? Brad Huffam. He is in Calgary, adjudicating in Winnipeg and Toronto, and and things like that. And he sp spent a lot of time in Italy. Hey Tom, what do you think of your son being an opera singer? He, he got all that music for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, he, he, his, made, he got his voice, uh, yeah, chasing cows. He got his voice chasing cows. Yeah, right, right. Not usually, because Brad usually sat like this when he had to chase cows. Huh. It was usually fall and it was cold and he just had, he knew he had to help, so he sat like this and rode along. I'm sure the cows could go on either side of him and he'd never know. Where did he get the music from? His and Bob and Tom's dad apparently was a wonderful tenor when he was younger. Uh, none of us, Bob probably did, but none of us actually did get to hear him because by the time I married Tom, he'd had a couple of heart attacks and he didn't mm. have the air. That, But from now I hear Hazel and Mary and some of those ladies telling me that he did have a very lovely tenor. And Brad, they tried to make Brad a tenor after he moved to New York City, but he's a baritone. Yeah. It's endemic. So, There's a lot of teachers that do that. They used to call me a pushed-up tenor. It's like, okay, look, just yeah. it doesn't exist. Stop well, it. They yeah. leave him a. They leave yeah. him as a lyric baritone. Yeah, right. But um, the, anyway, and my mother is very musical. She plays just about any instrument, and just by ear, just picks it up and starts playing it. So, mm -hmm. so I think he got a little bit from both sides. Right, Hazel. Do you remember Tom's dad being having a beautiful voice? Oh, Yes, he did have a very beautiful voice. Where did he sing that you would have heard him? Well, he had, I've heard him in gatherings like at funerals and mm -hmm. almost any place the public was singing. Right. Tom, but you have no recollection of your dad no, singing? No, no, no. But had, I mean, he, you had siblings who would have probably heard him sing. Oh, well, yeah, your so brother, you would have heard him I sing. Heard right, and is it... And is it true? Well, oh yes. Uh, uh, I know that he did in public. They used to have amateur hours for entertainment in early times, and folks would get up and sing or play or whatever they were mm -hmm. good at. I remember him singing at that. But he um, uh, he had a player piano, and he used to sit down in the evenings or on a Sunday sometime. And he would play the p player piano and sing to it. And uh, that was always very nice to hear. Wow, and I guess no he, recordings. He, he actually forgot to mention that he was part of an orchestra uh, years ago, too. You were? Well, I w <laughs> if you could call a, a drummer 
uh, part of an orchestra. Well, your neighbors there, like uh, yeah. Yeah. Mel Mudge and uh, Elton Anderson, Pauline Spence. Yeah. And you were uh, we had a Ben Valley Orchestra, you called yourself. That's right. The Ben Valley Orchestra. Yeah. Right. And what music would you play? Well, uh, old, old, time music? old time music, right. you know, fiddle, guitar, uh, piano, if there was one in the in the place. I was Sunday. I was I visited. They were having an old time picnic at mm -hmm. the Tangle Flag School across there. In 1951, uh, I recalled playing for a wedding dance, mm. and I went in, and the the school dance floor would have probably been like from the store over here, mm -hmm. just a tiny, and yet the whole community was there, you wow. know, and, and they took turns at dancing and. And in the wintertime, we drove with the team and sleigh. Mm -hmm. Summertime, of course, uh, somebody usually had an old car that would take us there. Our first born child, uh, he sat in an apple box or laid in a blanket on the back of the stage oh, and yeah. slept during the... Right. Yeah. And was he musical? Because they say, you know, you, no, if you grew up right now. No, we didn't have very many that were musical. Wow. But, uh, Tom, yeah. you got to learn how to play an instrument now. It's too late for me to learn. No, no, no. Now that you've conquered the sturgeon <laughs> yeah. of a lifetime. Oh, yeah. That's my talent. I, I leave it at that. <laughs> Fishing is your talent. Yes. Yeah. Right. We're quite fortunate in having uh, uh, a group up uh, north in, in the Red Cross area. Mm-hmm. And this uh, uh, Raymond Myers, he's a kind of a retired rancher up there. And the first uh, Sunday of every month, uh, all year long, he has a, a, um, yes. what, a jamboree, <laughs> you call uh -huh. it, jam session. And people come from all over, Saskatoon, Edmonton, from quite a distance, you know, and to play their instruments there. You have a band that plays um, during the weekend in August. Where do they come from? Actually, we have different entertainment from all over. Uh -huh. This year we've had, we had some of Mary's family playing. Mary, your family plays? Yes. They, you have, your family has a band? No, and they play with different bands. Oh, okay. And these are your, your, your children? A couple you of boys, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And Mary's, or Tina's grandson sang. Um, there's, there was... Um, um, a local local band. Uh, we have the uh, uh, friend, our friends up here, the Fort Pitt Christian Farms. Mm -hmm. um, they have a lot of beautiful musicians, singers there, and they come and uh, sing for us uh, on stage. We have the CN station, the stage out there is mm -hmm. all different. Every half hour, we have somebody different. Wow! Come. So, so. it's a very musical area. Uh, Saskatchewan culture is very good to us with mm -hmm. grants and. Uh, um, things like that over the years and um, and presently. And so we really need to pump up that a bit. Well, we see Sass Culture's uh, um, markings everywhere around here. Um, yes, and they've been very, very supportive. for them, uh, for what they do for us. Yeah. I, I think that uh, with the, the large grant that they we get and that it's what keeps this place going, yeah. operating. Yeah. And we're very fortunate to be able to have those kinds of funds come into our area. And it is beautiful. It's it's very well kept. It's very impressive. The grounds. Um, I think that we we have to do a lot to thank the uh, 
founders of the museum mm -hmm. and the people over the years. It wasn't easy for them when they first started. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was, um, it was hard work for all of them to get this place set up. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the reasons why I know Tom and I don't want to see it go, no, not be anymore sure. yeah. because of all the work that's been put into it. Yeah. And, um, so, um, I think that we have to thank them a lot for getting this, but it is a very picturesque place. It is. And uh, people that come here just, even that stay in our campground, mm -hmm. just can't believe the, the beauty and the quietness and, you know, they love to stay here. Mm -hmm. So it is an area that we need to keep going. I want to thank you all so much for letting me into your little world here. It really is something very special that you've got here. And I'm so grateful that you all took the time out of your day to come and hang out and fill me in on your life here. I would just like to thank you for coming and I'd like to thank SAS Culture for making it possible for you and the association to get out and see what we have here. Mm -hmm. uh, in this area, we seem to be a little bit forgotten mm -hmm. uh, with, um, with our history. We have so much history here mm -hmm. and we, we uh, were forgotten up here. We don't have the interpretive centers and, and things like that that they do in other parts of Saskatchewan. And we have it here. We just need somebody to look at us. That was the reason behind this series, is that that people and stories that, that are falling by the wayside um, get brought to the foreground. Great. And now this now this is up for the whole world to hear. Yeah. I am, and SAS Culture is very thrilled to support you in that endeavor. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created by Kevin Power as part of the Culture Days Animateur program operated by Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sports, Culture and Recreation. If you want to hear more of these podcasts or to see the great work being done by other Sass Culture animateurs, please visit www.iheartculture.ca. Special thanks to Paved Arts in Saskatoon for their technical support. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There is no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time...